This is Jeremy and Eric with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. Today we're here with Rockport Cut Granite, a father and son team, Terry and Kyle. And this was our first off-site podcast, learning more about what they do with granite and masonry. But before we jump off, Eric, what's been going on? This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. So last week we had an exciting week. It was crazy for Brunt and Jeremy, you were a part of it, but I guess the highlight of the week was Thursday night, we had some of our good friends at Outdoor Pride Landscape and Snow Management, which is a, one of the largest landscaping and snow management companies in New Hampshire. They've got 75 employees in, in off-season and go up to like 250. And of, of the, the current team, they wanted to reward the top performers. And so they came down to the Brunt Garage uh, Thursday afternoon. And, and yeah, we were slinging burgers. We were talking to them about, I guess, fall and and the snow season kind of ramps up for them. They push a lot of snow, kind of resonates with me because being a plow driver, I got to sit down and talk with a whole bunch of guys on how they do things. I'm jumping out of the residential snow game and just really pushing my own snow at the farm. But what's cool to be able to rub elbows with the normal Joes and get down to to how they do things and how their operations are going. They got some pretty cool equipment. Talk to Bill and how they operate. And it was a pretty good time throwing some bags and Yep. Good night to relax and, and for our team and their team to kind of hang out and spend some time together. And my guess is there's probably a lot more in store for us in the future. And yeah, it was definitely, definitely a fun time. Yeah. Hashtag one team. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's get into it. Today's Bucket Talk episode, we have Kyle and Terry of Rockport Cut Granite. Welcome, guys. Thank you for Thank having you us. very much. We're here in Gloucester on site, right? Or Rockport. We're in Rockport. We're in Rockport. Rockport. We're just on the edge of Gloucester. And you guys, we're at a job site today. And what are you guys doing here? We are doing a bunch of different things. We're doing a retaining wall and a walkway, and we're shoring up some of the existing work that's on site here that needed some rehab. Awesome. So tell us a little history about how you guys got into this. Go as far back as you want to go. Myself, Kyle, and my daughter, Erin, did the, it is now the Cape Ann Savings Bank. At the time, it was the Rockport National Bank at the top of the hill by the gas station in Rockport in 2009. We quarried the material for that bank at two different locations, one at Johnson's Quarry and the other at a very small quarry on the Rockport Gloucester line called Gromblads. And what happened up until then, we were pretty much strictly masonry, but we had to supply somewhere between 15 and 1,800 square feet for that project. And when we put it there on site, some of the contractors that also do granite work saw the quality of the material that we were cutting for the project and asked us if we could in turn cut material for them if they needed it. And it blossomed from there initially, like any project or, or any business, it didn't start out as a full-time, everyday, whatever, what would happen is we'd still do the masonry work, but if we finished a job early or if we had an interim period between jobs, we'd go to the quarry and cut and build up an inventory. And it slowly went from there to the part that it is now where it's at least half of our time 
mm-hmm. is spent cutting stone. Mm-hmm. Okay. You should tell them one of my favorite stories, though, mm-hmm. is how you got into stone masonry and the, uh, the retaining wall on the side of the yard. Right. When I first got out of the Army, which was uh, 1969, my wife and I bought a house with the money that I saved that I never spent when I was in Vietnam for a year. And I needed a retaining wall on the side of the property. And when I asked two or three Masons at the time what it would cost, (laughs) naturally it was a shock for me at the time. (laughs) And I knew that Johnson's Quarry was available in respect to getting materials. So I started doing the wall myself and a couple things happened. Number one, it took me a year and a half to do a wall, which probably should have taken me a month. But the second thing is I went into what we call the grout pile of the quarry, which is the material that they discarded back then. And I would constantly come into the back of the pile and load the smaller pieces that I wanted for the job in my truck. and. As it turned out, one of the days when I was loading them, I ran into the person that used to own the quarry, Carl Pearson, who was the son-in-law of the original Leonard Johnson that started the quarry. And he came down, he's like, so son, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to build a little wall in my side yard. And he looked at me and he said, anybody willing to climb up and down the pile that much to put stones in their truck? God bless you, you can have all you want. <laughs> and and he gave me a few pointers on, on how things were cut and, and everything else, but that was the first process. I do not believe that I ever cut one stone for the wall on my side yard. I, I just fit them as best I could. I had no tools to cut with at the time. I had no real ability at the time. And it, it kind of went from there. It's a learning process, folks. Yeah. It really, really is. Yeah. That wall still stands, actually, oh, by nice. the way. It yeah. still retains his side yard. Yeah. And uh, one of the neat things is he didn't even have a joining tool at the time. So he used his <laughs> thumb, his big old thumb, to yep, yep. do the joints in between yeah. the wall. It's amazing. I still have a, they can do fingerprints on my thumb. You know, it's kind of. <laughs> and did you ever have to go back and put a little work into it? Or is it. No, I should at this point. There's a couple yeah. areas on the driveway where I'm sure it has to do with the salt from the vehicles and everything yep, else. Yep, it's yep. kind of eaten away a little bit of the cement, but not a problem. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Structurally, it's still <laughs> yeah, in shape. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aesthetically, it needs a little neat. You didn't cheap out on the yeah. base or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so that was how you kind of got the start. And then I guess give us a little bit of a jump from the first project to up to kind of more of the current stuff we talked about. Well, what happened is, you know, as I started doing the, the stonework in the yard, a couple different people saw the stonework and they really liked what we were doing. And they asked me to do some small projects for them while I was on the fire department. And it blossomed into more and more to do with concrete block and brick. The real stonework didn't start till probably 25 or 30 years ago when I really, really started to understand the process that was involved in cutting, trimming, and fitting the way it should be. It's kind of sad. It's one of those things where if you go back and look at some of the work you did 40 or 45 years ago, you're like, wow, I could have done that so much better. Don't get me wrong. Other than the technology that you have in the drills, the process of cutting and mining granite is still the same as it was of years old. Today, in some of the larger quarries, they use big saws and stuff like that. A lot of the stuff is saw cut and then processed in the shop. 
back here, everything was what we call drilled, and they would drill the holes, put the wedges and the half rounds in, and split the stone. Now, understand this, and I've said this to many people, the rotary hammers that we use, our smallest rotary hammer will put a drill hole in in about 20 seconds. Okay. Back then, you kind of kind of laugh at this, <laughs> but back then when I ran into Carl Pearson at the beginning of my tenure up there, I was drilling a hole by hand, which you would have a drill and you would do like a little quarter turn each time that you hit it so it wouldn't hit in exactly the same spot. Yeah, hammer in your and hand. you had a three-pound hammer in the other hand, and, and Carl came down and he's like, so how you doing? And I'm like, good, Carl. I found that I can do a hole in about five minutes. He goes, well, that's not too bad. The old timers used to do it in three. <laughs> wow. But I mean, that's little reward for the task at hand. I mean, labor was cheap back then. Uh, There's a lot of men in the pit, you right. know, and, and the real unsung heroes, I think, are the blacksmiths back then because there was no carbide. Everything was steel. Yeah, and there were yeah. boys like in yeah. their teens whose sole job was to climb up and down out of the pit and bring the tools to the New blacksmith tools. shop. A, a drill back then, a tempered drill, would last for no more than five holes. So, I mean, you can see that the amount of time that had to be spent by the blacksmith in the shop retempering and, you know, dressing the edges up to make them the way they needed to be to cut. Everything today is carbide. The traces that we use today have a carbide tip. Back then it was the same thing. They had to be retempered. And how long would they last? Maybe they'd get an hour, hour and a half, two hours out of it with some serious work. Okay. That's, and then back to like the shop again. <laughs> back to the shop. So I know less about this than anyone, but I always see it on Instagram. You always see people with the wedges in the stone and the videos go viral because it's hard laboring work. Give me a little education on stone because my assumption is stone could split a bunch of different ways, but it seems like everything stone has either veins or how does that work? We call it the rift, which is the easiest way to split a piece of stone. And sometimes it's very, very obvious in a piece of stone. There's other times that I look at a piece of stone and I just scratch my head. But that's by far the easiest way. The second easiest way is if you cut parallel to the top and the bottom of the stone. That's called the secondary, okay? It's like a, a piece of wood. I've said to many people, stone splits like wood. The easy way is to split it from the end. But you can take that wedge and you can turn it in any direction and split it from the end, okay? But you can't split it from the side. A stone is similar. Once you do your initial split with the what we call the rift, the secondary allows you to go in almost any direction as long as it's parallel to the top or the bottom. And for the people listening, a good way to visualize this is when the granite solidified, it did so into layers like a sheet cake. Got so it. imagine you take that cake and you're trying to split it along those frosting lines. Yep, yep. And if you're going parallel to that, it's always going to give you a reasonable expectation of a good split. So now walk us through. You started this a long time ago. We talked to some folks. The last thing they want is their kids to get in the business. Other people want their kids to get in the business. How did you guys bridge this whole journey? So for me, <laughs> when I very much first joined the workforce at 14 and a half, I was working actually at a grocery store down in Rockport, uh, Rockport IGA, which was, you know, it was actually a formative experience for me and a lot of people I know. It was a rite of passage first job. 
once I started going, I think it was either very late high school or once I started going to college, it was easier for me to come back and work with dad. You know, it just was easier to jump in and join him. And I had plans to go off and get a degree. I didn't know in what. At first, I foolishly thought I was going to do aerospace engineering because it sounded cool and the prospect was for a lot of money. My math skills were not that good. You know, I think anything beyond Algebra 2 starts to get a little tenuous and I just could not keep up with some of the other students who really mean differential equations and all that really crazy stuff that looks like symbols and gibberish. <laughs> and I was a little discouraged with that. And then I went and tried to apply myself to a different major. But what actually happened is I had some health issues in my 20s. I actually was diagnosed with adenoid cystic carcinoma in my soft palate, which was a cancerous tumor, which was treated back, I think, right when we had done 2009. that. 2009. After yeah. we com either, I think right after we completed the bank job. And that knocked me kind of off course. That was a, a whole road in and of itself. And basically, once I felt well enough to kind of start working again, same thing. It was easy to work with dad and to kind of get back on my feet that way. And it kind of just slowly molded into, you know, there was times I left and kind of did my own thing. But then you just kind of realize that this is what you really enjoy doing and really enjoy spending time with him too in the last probably five years was when we really kind of partnered up and made it into what it is now. And I think in, what is it, the last three or four years was when we started the Instagram yeah. and when we actually kind of got the traction as, as far as what we are now, which is good because it's been 11 years since I was diagnosed, I've been in remission since then and things are all seem to be well. Now it's just kind of us going forward and seeing what we can do. It wasn't my plan, but I'm actually very happy with where I landed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so many people, like so many people. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, it's rewarding. You know, there's a lot of sweat equity in it. Your sister's involved with this too. All of them paid their dues. Mm -hmm. we used to, <laughs> the oldest sisters got paid by the brick. You know, and they'd, be, they'd be cleaning brick for dad and they'd get paid by the brick. Yeah, and what you said is really important. One of the things I tried to do in school, and this is what happened when I got sick, I was doing sports medicine at Salem State which was a pretty neat gig. You get to watch sports. And the only problem is, is, unlike him who was a paramedic and could deal with this stuff, I don't do well when people's knees are going the wrong way and stuff like that. It's like, and I'm supposed to be the guy that runs out and splints them and helps them out. And like once all the tape comes off, like when you help an athlete recover from an injury back to like that 99% of what they were pre-injury, that was really rewarding. But a lot of the time you're just handing out Gatorade and like ice bags and like wrapping. And this is not to diminish the profession. It like, wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. Yeah. Actually having like a literal pile or a wall or something like when you cut stone, you at the end of the day, you have a literal pile to show for yourself. Like this is what I did today. This is what yeah. we got done today. And it's the same thing with building. And I find that to be like this incontrovertible satisfaction that like it's so tangible. Yep. You know, your job is very tangible in that sense. Yep. At the end of the day, you go home and you sleep well because you're like, this is what I got done today. So both of you had very different entry points. Just listening to your stories, one of the words that come to mind for me, for you, is persistence. Like you wanted this retaining wall. It was too expensive, mm -hmm. but yet you kept at it and you persevered by, you know, now you have this beautiful retaining wall. And it, it didn't matter how long it took you. For you, it was more getting back to family and being around family. And what would something you tell somebody, a new hire, what would you want to see in them 
what did we tell we had a wonderful hire this last summer, a college student by the name of Adam. I think the literal first things I told him was bring water and sunblock, <laughs> which is which is still probably the best advice that I can give to anyone who's looking to get into these kind of trades. It's a mentality. Not every day is easy. It's a lot of hard work. I know one of his first days, uh, we were swapping out one of the four foot tires on the backhoe and it happened to be like 101 degrees up at the pit. And I think both of us almost passed out in the process of trying to get the studs lined up with the holes and I know he he confided in me after that 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 day had him a little shook he wasn't sure if that was really what he wanted to do but it's like you, you know once you get through the really hard stuff and you're able to lift the weight you're able to move the stuff and your body kind of hardens up to the task I think he started to get that same sense of physical satisfaction from a hard job well done yeah and and the the other thing make no mistake you know, if somebody's going to do this type of work, they have to do it because they want yes. to do it. Yes. You know, I, I think Kyle and I would be lying if we didn't say that ego comes into it. You have the ability to do something that very, very, very few people have ever been able to do. And you're doing something that has such a rich history yes. that, you, you know, when you look at things like that, you're like, wow. Uh, you know, the, the modern tools are the modern tools. When you go to a, a quarry now, everything is sawn. Everything is done this way and that way. It, it's not done the old school way. Mm -hmm. And and the fact that we're still able to do it that way, it, it just, it, it it's very egotistical. Uh, we When we were at Groblads one time, we had, I forget if it was a landscaper, someone was coming to pick up stone and he had a helper with him. And, you know, we look up because the way the pit was set up, you're kind of down a couple of, of shelves, like 20 feet below the top. And you look up and they're just looking down at you. And, you know, we were doing something, either a big split, something covered in sweat. And you're like, yeah, what do you think? And the, the helper was like, this looks like what they make prisoners do. <laughs> you know? and, and, and to someone who's not, like Dad said, it's like if you're not really interested in it and you don't have that, you know, drive to do something like this, it very much kind of is. It's like, the, you know, you might as well be shackled by the leg. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just hard work. It's not a job you want to show up and punch a time clock and get your hourly if, wage. Yeah, you if you're just, if you're just looking to get in and get out, there's many easier trades that you could do <laughs> yeah. than this. Yeah, and, yeah. But Dad also hit on the really important part. Like him and I are both junkies when it comes to the history aspect of it. Yeah. And you see it all around here in all these walls. There are hundreds of years of history of people coming over to this country to make a better life for themselves, Finnish and Swedes going into the pits and working very hard and creating something that lasted longer than themselves. Right. We, well, we, we look at certain things when we drive around that impress the living crap out of us because we know how hard it was for them to get that type of material and to dress it up and put it in place the way they did, yep. okay? Yeah, I mean, when we were coming in, I was reminiscing about, so I grew up in Western Mass, and we had the brownstone and the redstone quarries out there, and everything from the school to the library, everything was brownstone and redstone, and, you know, we had quarries all throughout East Long Meadow that we went swimming in and whatever, and they've all since been shut down, but we were digging up brownstone and redstone, but they shipped this stuff out everywhere you know yeah. they, i think they opened up a quarry just so that one of the famous buildings in the united states could get redone a few years ago we actually got a request from the state of new york they were redoing i think it was the holland tunnel or something like that and they were looking for material to saw cut 
for the sides of the tunnel. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, every once in a while you get these really, really strange requests. Sometimes you can do something with them. Sometimes we can't. When they did the salt and pepper bridge in Boston, they called us about material. But the quantity that they wanted was right. unsupplyable by us. We actually referred them to uh, Biz Reed at Old New England Granite, and he ended up getting that contract. The other thing is uh, the streets of Broadway in New York. They used to say they were paved with gold. They weren't. They were paved with Cape Ann granite. Cape Ann granite. It was really good cobblestone material because it's so hard. Yeah. It's really yeah. durable stone. Yeah. So it's everywhere. It's crazy that the reach of this stuff. And again, you know, all of this done back in late 18, early 1900s, talking about, you know, getting it to the trains via oxen and the big gerrymander carts, almost like a log skitter where you'd have a pole out the front that was at elevation. As they pulled it, it would pull down so it would lift oh, yeah, the front yeah, of the yeah. stone up and they could drag it. Huge wooden wheels and yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and and setting up derricks, they'd have anecdotal stories and they'd have all but the one wire strung and the thing would fall over and then finally when they get the derrick up and the wires are still quivering and some of the old timers would say it'll be there until hell freezes over yeah, yeah. and i mean even at you know johnson's is one of the few places to have uh standing antique derricks in town or in actually really i think outside of vermont yep. and it'll be interesting to see if and when they ever come down you know you can't take them down you have to leave them up and they're a heck of a liability but you know you look at the history and even just what that took in labor and manpower just to even get started uh, it's really neat wow so what's one thing you know now in this trade that you wish you knew when you were just getting in when you were working with him early days that you're like man if i would have known that then I, it would have been a lot easier a lot better a lot more efficient or I think it's like anything. It's what you don't know. It's knowing what you don't know. You know, it's like, especially earlier in your 20s, you think you have all the answers. It's like, as I get older, I realize he knows more and I know less kind of thing. You know, it's working with your dad. It's something that sometimes you have to be patient with each other. Every day is different and every day is a good day. It doesn't mean we don't butt heads from time to time, but it's working through any of those issues is, is important. And at the end of the day, we do something that so many people, even people who comment on our Instagram say, they say, you're so lucky to be able to work with your dad every day. And it's true. Yep, yep, yep. I think the one thing would be if you're not willing to go to work every day with the idea that you're going to learn something new on that particular day, then you're making a mistake. Yep. We do things today that we look at sometimes and we're like, well, I didn't see that happening. <laughs> it is what it is. And part of it is when one goes back to what the old timers did, the knowledge that they had and the ability that they had to see certain things within the stone itself mm. constantly blow us away. You know, we'll cut a piece and all of a sudden it'll hit what appears to be a natural seam inside or something like that. They saw that. That's why they put it in the yeah. waste pile. Yeah, they yeah, could yeah. see it. We couldn't see it, but they could, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And those are the things that you have to be aware of that every day is something new. Yep. It yep. really, really is, oh, yeah. you know? All right, so enough of work. Outside of all of this, which it seems like you guys actually really enjoy the time spent together and, yep. and you guys enjoy the, the work itself. What do you guys like to do? We go home and go to bed. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, certainly 
like anything. There's a lot of times we go home and post about work and stuff like that. But no, in my free time, no, I go to the Renaissance fairs with uh, my partner, Emily, and I'm a burgeoning like medieval or you know, not real medieval, but like replica medieval collector. There's one out in Midwest Massachusetts right now. So. Oh, King Richard's yes, fair. King yeah. Richard's we were yet. down there two, what is it? Two weekends ago. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm putting yep. together my costume for next year. I'm in the middle of uh, losing a little bit of weight. I didn't want to buy anything <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, too yeah. fancy until I'm kind of where I want to be. And, uh, you know, just I got two English bulldogs and they keep me pretty occupied. And that's something that very much fits kind of like, you know, my profession, having those two dogs. <laughs> but, you know, it's like after a good long day of work, there's really nothing better than kind of going back and, you know, kicking back. Although I spend a lot of it at the gym right now trying to get back into shape. But, you know, it's like relaxing and just kind of unwinding. Awesome. Awesome. How about yourself? Myself, I spent... Many, many, many years. I mountain bike with a bunch of guys. Some of them are really, really, really good. And uh, skied a lot. Myself and one of the kids I ski with, we went to Whistler and Blackcomb a few years ago. And one of the architects that I work with, we went to Chile one summer. Their winter is our summer. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny because here we are, I think it was the end of July, because it was just after my birthday. And, and there we are in the line at Logan, skis on our shoulders, <laughs> some little wise-ass kid says, hey, guys, don't you know there's no snow in the mountains right now? <laughs> like, there isn't chili where we're going there. Is. <laughs> but that was that was unique. That was a whole different experience. Got it. You, know? so you guys are both pretty active in your off yeah. time, even though yeah. this oh. is pretty rigorous. Pretty, pretty. He's one of those people who's the top percentile of fitness yeah. through his whole life, and that's yeah. why he's able to do this the way he does. Yeah. You know, he's 74 years young, yeah. and it's still hard to keep up with him <laughs> some days. Yeah, but we would you attribute the work to... Uh, no, when I was on the fire department, and as I said, when I first got out of the service, I took the test. I was lucky enough to be the first one they hired. You know, I had topped the list. And I did that for almost 27 years. And I was adamant at the time, much to the issue, that I worked really, really hard to stay in shape. Yes. I would either lift or run at least six days a week. Wow. And um, you get into that magical area. Look, guys, I hate to be critical. You pay firefighters, you pay police a certain amount of money to perform a safety task. They should be in shape to perform that. And I know I got in trouble with some of the guys I worked with because they didn't like the fact that I would criticize. And it's not fair because I'll tell a really, really sad story. One of the policemen that lived just down the hill from my mother and father, his name was Andy. And uh, he was on a road detail one day. And the other policeman at the other end, his name was Cherry. Okay. And I went by Andy and I hollered out the window. I said, tell Jerry size 10. And I drove away. And on the way back by, I did it again. So on my third time by, Andy pulled me over. He goes, why should I tell Jerry size 10? I says, tell him that's the size of his shoes. He hasn't seen them in years. <laughs> so, you know, that's it, it's not fair sometimes, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay? yeah exactly. exactly. And, and make no mistake, make no mistake. One can perform at a better level. Let's be totally honest. When yep. when one stays in shape. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, if you're going to get winded tying your shoes in the morning, you have a problem. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. And I don't care who you work for. 
they should come to expect a certain amount of performance out of you in the course of a day. Yep, okay. yep, yep. You know? Yep. And that makes it difficult sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I can relate yeah. that to myself, yeah. though. Like, yeah. well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure I ate enough of after I got sick was food. Because it was something to do with my mouth, you're like, well, I want to make sure I eat all the foods I want just in case something goes wrong. Yeah, so yeah, that I can yeah. say, you know, what if that was one of those things that's important to me. But like anything, you eat too much good food, yep. uh, rich food and strong drink. Yeah. And up to a certain point, having a little extra ballast for masonry is not bad. You can, like, put the stone on your belly and carry it around. But you do. You get to a point where you're starting to fight yourself. Yeah. And you get winded by things. And you're like, yeah, I need to kind of rein this in and make some adjustments here. Because if you, like Dad has always said, if you do not keep yourself in good shape doing this type of work, it gets a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. It yep. really, yep. really is. And even at that, over a period of time, you know, the right. joints, the, the shoulders, you know, the constant picking up of weight. You know, any doctor would tell you it's not good for you right. over a long period of time. Um, it really, really not. Like yep. You know? Yep. You know? Oh, this is incredible. No. This is incredible. Yeah. One, first off, thanks for having us out on a site today. We want to, want to give you guys as much exposure as possible just to share more about the trade in this. What are the best places for folks to kind of follow you guys? Your, your own site on Instagram or any oh, other yeah. channels? Oh, in, yeah. We used to have our own site. It was a small little, uh, what was it, GoDaddy website. You know, uh, I think Sherry Lynn, yeah. our yeah. oldest yeah. sister, my right. oldest sister, set it up and she made a great website. But it was one of those things that it tended to get us. This was no fault of hers, but we tended to get weird requests. People, oh, you have any like uh, black granite or other yeah. granites that nothing to do with Cape Ann granite. Yeah. Social media went very quickly from us from being kind of like a little sideshow thing to being this huge thing for us, both spiritually, but energetically and economically. People were very interested. You get people like uh, Justin Peterson, Stone Sorcerer, who are extremely passionate about the different materials, the history, the heritage of those materials, how it came to be. And when people found out that this material was still available, because for a long time, it seemed like a dead format yeah, to people, yeah, you yeah. just couldn't get it. The amount of people that have come out that we've been able to meet, such as you guys, it's yeah. like coming out to meet people, like-minded people, passionate people has been tremendous. You know, this is one of those things I laugh because when the phone used to first come out to film videos, you can almost see the hair on his neck stand up <laughs> because it was just one of those, you know, it's like yeah. instead of having my hands on doing something, got yeah. the phone and I'm filming. Yeah. And now the excitement when we have a big nice split to come up and it's like, oh, let's get the phone set up. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. make a video right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Instagram has been our prime driver Although we've had some really lucky hits on Facebook where we've had videos yeah, get yeah. 3 million views on Facebook, uh, wow. rivaled only by some of those guys out there in, I think, you know, out there in Asia who yeah. are like splitting huge boulders and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. To have that kind of numbers go up for a video is something that's really... You know, I mean, likes and views shouldn't be all you care about, but it certainly makes you feel good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. it's kind of nice when, you know, you get somebody that says, congratulations from Sweden, or yes. you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To know that there's other people in other parts of the world that are probably doing something very, very, very similar to what we do yeah. and appreciate the fact that it's still done. Yep, you, yep. you know? I mean, there's yep. guys in Portugal that are going real hard in the quarries, doing some awesome stuff, and we get pictures. We got pictures from Austria right. of, you know, one of the bigger quarries where they've got these massive blocks and these huge front-end loaders where they have to tandem them with the loaders yeah. to pick up these giant yeah. blocks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like a, you know, I don't want to use specifically fraternity because this is something we believe anyone can do this, but the fellowship that you have from these other people. And again, the 
the common passion that drives you. It, we've met so many people and due to the way that we post that we meet people. And one of the nicest things we hear is like, even though I'm just meeting you for the first time in person, I feel like we're already friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, that's yeah. a really nice feeling to get from yeah. someone when yep. you see someone, yep. you know, it's like, and they're used to seeing us do our thing. Yeah. We try to always be authentic. You know, who yeah. we are uh, on social media is who we are in real life. Yeah. We, yeah. This yeah. is just what we do. And that's really been awesome for us. So awesome. if people want to follow us, uh, check us out on either Instagram or Facebook, yeah. both under Rockport Cut Grant. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for having us. And we're going to share the story. And as folks come in through us, we'll send them over and direct them your way. Thank you so much. We love it. Thanks, guys.